time to start the second season of the Truth As I See It podcast. The first season focused on fairly lighthearted stories of discovery and adventure. The second season is a bit darker, and these stories explore some of the dirt that gets caught in between the good times. There will be graphic language at times and descriptions that might not be child-friendly. Consider yourself warned, and thank you for listening. Stinson with breaking news coverage. Princess Diana is seriously injured and two other people have died following a car crash in Paris. Police confirmed the crash has killed Diana's companion, film producer Dodi Afayed, and the chauffeur. You are looking at unedited video from the scene where it happened this morning at midnight time in Paris. It happened in a tunnel as Diana's car was being pursued by press photographers. It happened in a tunnel along the River Seine. I've just been handed uh, from the Reuters news service uh, what is marked uh, bulletin. Uh, This, uh, we should uh, point out as many times as we can, is uh, being sourced through another news organization. We don't know uh, who they talked to to put this on the Reuters news agency wire. It says Princess Diana has died, Sky Television says. Her death was a bloody mess. Though the pictures showed nothing more than her serene body laying on an operating table. No blood, no doctors, just the princess lying there still and quiet. It was disconcerting and cast a pall on everything, which consisted of television and water cooler conversation. They never showed her companion, the Sheikh, the dark-complected man from the magazines in the grocery store checkout lines. I always wanted to know more about him. The 24-hour coverage blended with my drug-induced haze. I watched the replays of the tunnel scene over and over and over and thought about the ramifications of paparazzi chasing the royal's car through Paris. I was coming off morphine and transitioning to Vicodin. It was all blurry and muddled. I watched 24 hours of news coverage, swept away in some hazy insomnia of pain and pity. Pity or something like it. Who knows? I couldn't tell an emotion from an urge to defecate during those hours and days after I blew my finger apart with a high-pressure paint sprayer. I never should have gone into business for myself. I'm not a businessman. I have no taste for it. I'm an idealist, which might be worse. So I took a small $5,000 inheritance from my grandfather and bought some painting equipment. My grandfather was a painter when he came to this country, and I thought it would be cool to honor his life this way. It happened while knocking out the interior of a business partner's house. My paint spray gun had a faulty tip that seemed to leak all over the place. A real young man's problem. So I swiped my forefinger through the nozzle a few times to clean out the excess white latex paint. I knew better, but it was a false sense of capability. The third time I ran my finger through the nozzle, it stuck between the orange spray guides, and I yanked hard enough to press the trigger, which promptly shot three cc's of white eggshell into my finger, which instantly blew up like a big white sausage. It didn't hurt, exactly, but there was this really intense pressure. I tried to squeeze the paint back out, but the entry point had sealed. I turned my hand over and noticed a red line running up my vein. I called my dad. Hey, Pop, I just shot my finger full of white paint, I said. What do you think I should do? My dad is pretty pragmatic, so I drove myself to the hospital. 
When I walked into the waiting area, a nurse pointed me to the intake area. I walked over and another nurse asked me what I was there for. Before I could answer, she said, Oh my honey, that's a bad bee sting. Are you allergic? No ma'am, it's not actually a bee sting. You see, I just shot my finger full of paint. The look on her face totally changed my outlook. I figured they would just poke a hole in my finger and drain it. You know, outpatient and all. But the nurse grabbed my arm and flipped it over. The red line had traveled almost all the way to my elbow. I need a gurney and a gown right now, the nurse shouted. I suddenly felt woozy. Hurry up, the nurse said. I think he's going to faint. The next thing I remember was watching the ceiling roll over me. Light tile, light tile, light tile. Whee! And then I saw a face floating over my face, and I wanted to reach out and grab it. We have to take you into surgery right now because of the paint in your bloodstream, someone shouted. Is there anyone I should call for you? In my now drug-induced stupor, I said, yeah, call my wife, and I gave the man my phone number. And then darkness, just total darkness. When I woke up, I was staring at the most gruesome sight you could imagine. It was a mangled finger with a huge hole blown in the side of it, and it was angled so that it was right in front of my face in a sling held up by a rope fastened to a large pole with a metal hanger over it. What the hell happened, I thought to myself. I looked around, but there was nobody there. The room was dim, as if it were morning or evening. Then a shaft of light cut through everything, and a nurse walked into the room. Ah, you're awake. Good, she said. I'll tell your family. My wife paraded into the room, followed by my mom and one of my sisters. My wife looked a bit distraught, but I thought, eh, it probably had more to do with the fact that we didn't have health insurance. I'm sorry I didn't call you guys, I said hoarsely, wondering if that was even my voice. Oh, that's okay, my wife said. I just got a call on the answering machine that went something like this. Hello, this is Dr. Dan Leonard. I'm a plastic surgeon at Salem Hospital. I just finished operating on your husband, Tim Akamoff. It looks like everything will be okay. Please call the hospital as soon as possible. She wasn't smiling, but I could imagine the thoughts running through her head when she got the message. Oh my God, his face. He has no face, or something like that. But she smiled at me. Luckily, I talked to your dad first, she said, and she leaned over and kissed me. That's when she caught a glimpse of the horror prop hanging in front of my face. Oh, that's so bad, she said. No, not really, I said. They could have found someplace far worse to put it. Turns out I was lucky. Dr. Leonard was an on-call emergency room physician that day, and he was very skilled at plastic surgery. And he used some pretty advanced skills to save my index finger in spite of my best attempt to lose it. It took four surgeries, after which he told me that he was now able to finally purchase that special order cobalt blue Porsche from Germany. They ended up doing something called a deep tissue skin graft, where they cut my middle finger next to the injured index finger above and below the knuckle and laid the deep skin tissue pieces over and then sewed them to the index finger in the place where I had the most tissue damage. Then they took big skin grafts from my hips and filled in the areas above and below the knuckles on my middle finger. Then they sewed two fingers together for the better part of six weeks, and my poor wife had to apply silvadine cream to the injured parts the whole time, while I drifted in and out of total cognizance with the help of Vicodin pills. I don't remember much other than feeling sorry for myself a lot, and I watched a lot of television. 
until after the night that Diana died. She was my Marilyn Monroe, a flickering candle blown out too soon, and I was glued to the live reports coming in from Paris in the middle of the night. I watched 24 hours of coverage, and in the morning, I stopped watching television. I went outside for a while, and then I slept long and hard. I stopped feeling sorry for myself and decided that I needed an adventure. That's when my wife told me she was pregnant. I had lost my company. We owed a ton of money in back rent. We had no prospects for anything beyond construction or waitressing jobs, and we were having a baby. But there is something about starting over from scratch and leaving a really bad place behind you. My life restarted the day after Diana died. Now, there was no real correlation other than a shared space and time. But sometimes when a royal dies, gets married, or is born, the world stops for a moment and holds its breath. And when no one was looking, I hit the restart button on the rest of my life. was produced by Akamafia Productions. Any relationship to real events or people is probably not a coincidence. These words and memories are my own and may contain traces of the truth. Music, as always, by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. You can catch the entire first season of the Truth As I See It podcast on SoundCloud. And follow me on Twitter at Tim Akamoff.